It's almost unfathomable that we could say anything right now to take this any higher than God has already taken it, and that's not my purpose here today. Just remain standing with me for just another moment, and I'll let you be seated. I did not come today with a sermon for you. A couple of weeks ago, God began to deal with me concerning this service. And I don't know all the details. He gave me a few passages of Scripture. I don't know how eloquent it will be, how homiletically or hermeneutically correct or in order it will be. Please forgive me if that's not my presentation today, but I promise you I do have a message or somebody in this place today. Amen. I'm aware somebody very wise a long time ago said, don't blame all your sermons on the Lord. I'll try to be careful not to do that. But I'm as confident as I have ever been that what I've got to say to you for the next few moments, God placed in my spirit for this church, for this assembly, for somebody in this place today. You have your Bible and want to turn one verse, one very short portion of Scripture from the book of Zechariah. The book of Zechariah. I know it's not a book that we preach from often but I want to use a verse of scripture there just kind of as a launching pad today Zechariah chapter 9 Zechariah chapter 9 I believe it's on the screen there if you don't have it in your Bible the word of the Lord says Zechariah chapter 9 and verse number 12 turn you to the stronghold you prisoners of hope Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. Thank you, Lord, for your beautiful, sweet, abiding presence that's in this assembly today. Thank you, Lord, for the saints of God that have lifted their hands and hearts and worship and praise and created a habitation and an environment for you to move. God, I pray desperately that you will touch these feeble lips of clay. Let me speak, Lord, what you have given me to speak to the heart of this congregation and to this people, to that individual that's here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Would you worship him one more time in your own way? Let's worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, we're so very grateful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. Please forgive me if I get overly emotional today. I feel so very strongly about the few words that I'm going to say to you. Just bear with me. And let the Lord talk to you as we, as we minister forward. The 23rd Psalm, David writes, He restoreth my 
soul. The psalmist, being a man after God's own psalm, he, he writes, he pins those words, he restoreth my soul. Can I declare to you this Sunday morning that God is a God of restoration. It is His character. It is His nature. He is a mender and He is a fixer. God is a restorer. He is in the restoring business. He is in the giving back business. He is, it is His very nature to take what has been broken and fix it. It starts in the very first part of the book of Genesis where we see man's relationship rendered uh, from God. That sin has stepped in and broken that relationship that man has with God. That beautiful, intimate, close-knit relationship that humanity has by virtue of God's being God's creation. Sin and disobedience steps in and that relationship is broken. Almost immediately, we're not, but just a few chapters into the book of Genesis where we see God beginning to give us a revelation of the plan to fix that relationship, to restore humanity to a relationship with Him. We come to about the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis and we see that God calls Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. We see that God calls Abram to go to a city. We see that God reaches for a man. We, we begin to see a little more, a little better picture of what God is doing in the redemptive plan. We can look back on the, all those years of history and see the pieces of the puzzle that were put in place. All of these things were a, a plan by God, divinely ordained of God, to bring about restoration. We see it even before the beginning of written history. Some people look at, at history. Some people look at God's redemption and they, they think and they errantly believe that somewhere along the way, Creation made a mistake, an oopsie. Man sinned, man fell from grace, and somehow God had to scramble around and figure out a plan. Somehow God had to, to call a committee meeting, a board meeting, and, and figure out what to do that. I declare to you today that Jesus Christ was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. In God's mind, in God's plan, He saw humanity's mistake. He saw humanity's failure. He saw humanity's weakness, and He already had a plan set in place to redeem and to restore and put back together. We see all throughout the pages of the Old Testament. Uh, we can go through, and, and there's more passages of Scripture than time would allow me to use today, but I want to bring uh, uh, just a few of them to you. We, we read of the sins of Israel, their highs and their lows, their ups and their downs, their backslidings, their repentances, how their relationship with God was like a roller coaster ride. We see that Israel was one day on the mountaintop, so to speak, in their experience with God, and one day they were, the next day they were wallowing in the depths of idolatry. But God would, in His divine mercy and grace, give them an opportunity to repent and to come back. We see that place, we see in the book of Amos, it's not. Another, it's one of those books that you don't hear preached from or taught from a lot, but it's a, it's a story of judgment. Amos was a prophet from the southern kingdom after the divided kingdom, after Israel had divided. Amos was a shepherd from Tekoa. 
God gave him prophetic utterances for the northern kingdom. And throughout his ministry, throughout his prophetic ministry, he would from time to time have visions and God would give him prophecies concerning the northern kingdom. And you see them as they go forth. The book of Amos is almost entirely filled with the judgments of God. God speaks to Israel. He tells Israel, this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to allow. I'm going to remove my hand of blessing from you and allow the judgments to come upon you. It goes and it goes all the way through the book of Amos. One judgment after another. One, one incident of wrath after another. And we think and we see as we near the end of Amos that this is all that it's going to be. But as we, 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 we read through there, we, we see things that God is speaking in, in metaphorical language. And perhaps you've seen the verse or read the verse or heard the verse, Amos 3 and 12. The Bible says, as a shepherd takes out of the mouth of the lion an ear, a piece of a leg. What God is trying to say to Israel is, Israel, you're going to go so far. That's all that's going to be left of you is bits and pieces. All that's going to be left of you, people are going to look at you and say there's not enough there that's even worth saving. Just a piece of a leg, an ear. When the shepherd finds you, that's all that's going to be left. And, and we, we see these prophetic utterances that come forth. And finally, there to the end, it, it looks like God is going to make it all the way through without any hope, without any promise. But finally, Amos begins to write in, in chapter uh, number 9, Amos chapter 9, if you'll put that up for me, brother. Amos chapter 9. God sees them in their place of judgment. God sees them in their place of despair. He says, in that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen. Israel, uh, in your lowest of low, in that place uh, where there's nothing left of you, uh, I'm telling you that I'm going to raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen, and I'm going to close up the breaches thereof, uh, and I will raise up his ruins, uh, and I will build as it is in the days uh, of old. I can't go all the way through uh, this book without finding uh, where God is pronounce judgment and wrath on the nation of Israel but he can't stop he can't close without revealing his revealing his very nature and it is a nature of restoration in the book of Zechariah where we read from Zechariah is a prophet that spoke to Israel in the time when Israel had left captivity and they've come back to their homeland. They're still struggling. They're still having hardships. They're still dealing with a lot of things in their life that would keep them from going forward. And God speaks to them and tells them to turn to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render or restore, that word could be translated double, Unto you, God calls Israel back to the stronghold himself with a promise to restore them. It gives us a picture of the very nature of God. It is a part of his nature to restore. It is not his nature to destroy. It is his nature to restore. God is a restoring God. 
We see those pictures all throughout the Old Testament. The Old Testament, Isaiah gives us a picture of the Christ, of the Messiah that will come, created or made, or he is the image of the invisible God. Isaiah writes in Matthew chapter 12, uh, shows us again. It says very simply, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench Because He is a God of restoration in our humanity, we walk through life and we see the bruised reeds and we see the broken flags. And it's our nature, it's our human nature to take and see the bruised reed and say, well, it's not going to make it. It's not going to amount to much anyway, so let's just break it off and get it out of the way and let something else grow in its place. It is our nature to look at the smoking flags and say, well, it's just about out. Let me... Let me go ahead and put it out. Put it out of its misery, so to speak. But the Word of God declares that the very nature of God is that He doesn't take a bruised reed and break it or a smoking flax and quench it. But what He does is He's walking along and He sees that bruised reed and He takes it and He gets a hold of it and He straightens it back up and He strengthens it and He helps it and He brings it back to life. He sees that smoking flax, that wick that's about to go out and instead of going... And putting it out, he takes it and he, he cups his hand around it and he blows. Come on, you can make it. You're going to be all right. I'm a God of restoration. Come on, until it begins to come back into a flame. That's the God I serve. That's the God I'm talking about. He's not a destructive God. He is a restoring. And he declares to the Alma that which the caterpillar and the canker worm and everything is destroyed. I'm going to restore unto you. And we know that he's talking to Israel, but it is a prophetic utterance concerning the church because we see in Acts 2, the birthday of the church, where the preacher stands up and quotes from this passage of scripture and it is a not only a prophetic utterance of restoring Israel but of restoring mankind's relationship to God. I'm telling you that God is a restoring God. God is a God of putting things back together. God is a God of fixing things. God is a God of making things better and all you have to do is look at the pages of scripture to see where it bears that out. All right, Sunday school class. Anybody remember a guy by the name of Samson? Remember Samson? Samson was the strong man, wasn't he? Samson was he he was the he was mightily used of God. He was, the Bible tells us, a Nazarite from his from before his birth. While he was in the womb, before he was even conceived, God called him to do a work for him. I like Samson. He, he's he's a, a very neat character study. Samson's a... I was looking for a, a small guy here today, but I don't... Most everybody's pretty good-sized folks here today. Amen. Amen. See if I can find a... Stand up for me, brother, right here. Let me, let me embarrass you for just a minute. History tells us that the average height of a man... During the day of, of, of the judges and Samson, the average height of a man was five foot five inches tall. In all likelihood, David the king was about five five. We look to him as a mighty warrior. Now, we we stand up for me, buddy. In your mind, this is what Samson looks like. Or bigger. 
Samson, I think. But the truth of the matter is, Samson was probably just a regular, ordinary-looking fellow. His strength did not come from his physique. His strength came from his covenant. His strength came from his obedience and his relationship to God. When God got ready to move on Samson and to use Samson, it was the Spirit of the Lord that that gave him supernatural, extraordinary strength and power. It didn't matter how small he was. It was the power of God working through him and with him and in him that gave him what he had. That spiritual application today is that most of us in this place are just regular, ordinary folks. But I have a covenant relationship with the Almighty God. When I came to Him in faith and repented of my sins and went down in that watery grave in the name of Jesus Christ and arose to walk in newness of life, there was a covenant that was placed on my life that gave me power and ability and authority beyond my my natural self. And I just want you to know I've been perfect since that day. Absolutely 100% not, and don't go ask my wife about it. We all have faults and failures. We all have struggles. Your struggle may not be what Samson's struggle was. Your mayor's struggle may not be what my struggle is. But we all have struggles because we're all humanity. We're just people. We're just living life. We're still dealing, even though we may be saved, even though we may be filled with the Spirit of God, we're still dealing with this thing called flesh. And sometimes flesh wants to do what the flesh wants to do. And sometimes the flesh wants to say what the flesh wants to say. And we have those struggles and those battles. And so here is this mighty man called of God, divinely ordained of God, has a covenant with God, is mightily used of God, has a promise and a purpose on his life. And yet you know the story. I won't belabor the point. Samson struggles, he falls, he's laying in the lap of Delilah, and his secret is finally exposed, her, her cunning and her, her, her feminine wiles just pull it out of him, and he says, it's my, it's my hair, it's my Nazarite vow. The Philistines come in, they not only shave his head, but they put out his eyes, and he is rendered as any other man. They bind him and he is sit grinding at the meal. This man of God, called of God, with purpose in his life, knows what it's like to feel the presence of God move on him and stir his spirit. He knows what it's like to, 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 to have the power of God flowing through him. And here is Samson hooked up to the tethers, grinding at the meal, if we understand it correctly. It was a large millstone that had a post that come out that they would tether the, the beast of burden to, and that, that beast of burden would walk in circles, and they would pour the, the meal, the, the corn, the grain, onto the stone, and it would grind that meal. 
So here is Samson. He is a man of God. He is, he is called of God. He has the touch of God on his life, but he has found himself because of poor decisions and bad choices in life, because of things of the past. He finds himself walking in that never-ending circle, that prison cell of defeat and destruction. Here is Samson, the mighty man, the strong man, finds himself there grinding at the mill. Bible doesn't say how it happened, and you, you can imagine with me his state of despair, his state of emotions as his eyes have been put out, his head has been shaved. And that strength that he once had is, is long gone, and now he's, he's, fine, he's grinding, he's in chains, and with nothing to help him but the spirit of man. I don't know how it happened. Bible isn't real clear. But we do know that one day, somehow, some way, the Bible says, how be it, his hair began to grow. I just like to imagine, use my imagination and let my mind and think that here's Samson one day and he's, he's grinding in that circle and maybe a fly lands on his head. He reaches up to swat it and he goes, hey, ho. Oh. Hang on just a minute. I feel something that I hadn't felt in a long time. I feel something that it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't there. The enemy took it away from me, but it seems to be coming back. The Bible says that his hair began to grow, that sign of that covenant. And again, the Bible doesn't elaborate great detail on that story. We just know that sometime in the probably the near future there, the Bible says the Philistines were having a party. They invited Samson to come so they could make fun of him, and, and he went. But somewhere along that road, somewhere between the grinding stone and, and the place of that party, can I, can I tell you something today? Whatever your place of you think is judgment in your life, God's still there. God hasn't evacuated. God hasn't deserted. God was still with Samson. Samson went to that place, and you know the story, he asked the lad, take me to the pillars. And he prayed and asked for God's strength again, and God granted and gave it. And Samson was more victorious there than he ever was previously. You, you didn't hear me. Samson was more victorious after his place of judgment than he was ever before. The Bible says that, that he killed more in his death than he did. Samson was more victorious after he went through the trial than he ever was before the trial. Samson was more victorious after he went through the valley than he ever was before he went through the valley. Samson was more... We have a tendency to think that I've messed up, I've gone too far that I've done too much, it's all over. And the enemy wants to whisper in our ear time and again, you've messed up too bad, you can forget about it. The call of God that you felt on your life is gone, it's over. But I'm here to tell you that we serve a God of restoration. If Samson grinding at the meal can feel something that reminds him of that covenant and come back to God and say, God, well, we don't know that Samson was saved. Well, I can tell you this, if you read over in the New Testament in the book of the Hebrews, 
where chapter 11 gives the roll call of the faithful, you find a man listed by the name of Samson. I'm here to tell you that Samson made it right with God and that God used Samson again. And it was not over just because he failed. I'm telling you that we serve a God of restoration. He is a restoring God. Peace Tabernacle, I don't know what you've been through in the past. I don't know what's going on. All I know is what I see and what I hear with my physical eyes. And it all looks good to me. But friend of mine, can I hear, can I tell you that God's got some things that He wants to restore to this assembly. God's got some things that He wants to restore. I'm through preaching, Brother Grant. I'm just talking right now, and this is where we get in trouble. So you may have to fix it when I get done. I'm here to tell you, Peace Tabernacle, that God's got some things that He wants to bring back to this assembly. God's got some things that He wants to restore to this assembly. You have not been forgotten. God has not rejected you or walked away. You listen to what if you've never heard anything I've ever said to you before. You hear what I'm telling you right now. There is a spirit of restoration that's about to walk into this place. There is a spirit of restoration that God is sending to this assembly and you hear what I'm telling you. It's not just numbers. It's not just people that will be a part of it but it's ministries that are going to be resurrected in this place people that used to feel a call of God and used to have a burden for things God's about to send a restoration for those things you listen to Brother Moody right now I'm telling you I'm telling you that a spirit of restoration is about to be visited upon this assembly you better get ready you better get ready you better get ready because things that God used to deal with you about is about to come back the things that God used to talk to you about is about to come knocking on your door. The call that you used to feel is about to come visiting your doorstep again. You hear what I'm telling you? There is a spirit of restoration that is walking the aisles of this assembly today. Well, I used to. You can forget that because it's right now. I used to feel and I used to do and I used to be a part of. It's coming back. It's coming back. It's coming back. It's coming back. Get ready for it. It's coming back. There are men and women sitting under the sound of my voice today and I know there's probably more people that are supposed to be here. I know people work shifts and Travel, my, 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 my. I'm afraid to do what I feel. Along with that spirit of restoration, it's going to come people and ministries. Miracles, signs, and wonders. A restoration. A restoration. Hear what I'm saying to you today, Peace Tabernacle. But Grant, you don't ever have to invite me back. You say, Brother Moody messed it up so bad. I start feeling scared, I usually walk back behind the pulpit. 
That's my barrier. Mm. You just respond to what you feel. Just respond to what you feel. I told you it wasn't going to be eloquent. Didn't intend for it to be. I just came to deliver a message to you today, and that message is He's a God of restoration. And He wants to restore you. Passage that we read in the beginning come back to Zion. Turn back to Zion. Turn back to God. I'm not preaching this as a message of repentance. I don't know that there's anything that anybody needs to repent of. I'm just saying that God's saying, get ready. Get ready. I will restore unto you. I will restore unto you. Stand with me, if you will, across the building. wish I was smart enough to print it, present it in such a way that it was emotionally moving. But instead today, just the simple word of God. God wants to restore. There are people in this place right now that are sitting, you're sitting there thinking. There are things that I've done my life, decisions that I've made that there's no way that God can use me. There's no way that God can do in me or with me what I felt like He wanted to do years ago. But you hear me today, Brother Moody came to tell you that God wants to restore what you thought was lost a long time ago. What you thought God took away, He didn't really take away. You see, the Bible tells me that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. You know what that means? That means that God don't change His mind. If He ever called you, if He ever set you apart, you're still called. You're still set apart. The altars are open if you want to come and pray. God's got some restoration for somebody's heart and soul and mind today. Why don't you step out in faith? He's a God of restoration, sir. He's calling you back, ma'am. He wants to restore some things in your life. He wants to restore some relationships. He wants to restore some health. He wants to restore some innocence. He wants to restore some broken hopes, some withered dreams. He wants to restore some callings. Oh, yes, He does. Thank you for coming. Thank you for responding today. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. 